So what's your name? My name is Lloyd Erickson. And uh, where are you from? Grew up in Sandy, Utah for the most part. Sandy, Utah? What's that like? It's it's good. It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of where I lived, a lot of people were moving in from California, so you get a little bit more diversity, a lot a lot different from here where I'm living now in Orm, Utah. Um, are you a BYU student? No, I go to UBSC. UBSC? What are you studying? Uh, philosophy and religious studies. Philosophy. That's dangerous. Um, some people think it's dangerous, but I guess I guess it could be dangerous, and it has been dangerous, but it's something I enjoy. It's a passion of mine. Do you know Dennis Potter? Oh, I know Dennis. Yeah? Good friends with Dennis. Um, so, uh, to what extent, um, talk a little bit about your, your church experience in terms of how you're feeling now relative to the church. Good, bad, indifferent. Uh, my, my experience with the church has been a huge roller coaster. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a really conservative family, so the mission in Hawaii, all this fun stuff. And then maybe three years ago, I found myself having a lot of doubts to the point where I um, pretty much decided I was, there was no God, decided I was never going to step into a church again. What led to this? Um, it's interesting. A lot of it was frustrations with different policy issues with the church, um, the church fighting gay marriage, um, the church's reaction to the war in Iraq kind of bothered me. But those were never real issues to me like declaring myself an atheist or anything like that. It was more just just frustrations. And then just one day I woke up and just didn't feel anything anymore. Had you had spiritual experiences as we recognized them in the past? Oh, yeah. I've had several of those. And it just they just all of a sudden just seemed like abstract memories that didn't belong to me anymore. And did you redefine them, or did you just dismiss them? Um, I just forgot them in a lot of ways. I guess re- redefined. I just said, okay, well, it's just you know, emotional emotions from different, you know, like because I had a lot of my mission and whatnot. We just say, well, they're just emotions or just coincidence, chance, stuff like that. So, so the main issue. Were there any issues you can pinpoint that led to this sort of you waking up one day and saying it's not what you thought? Um. Probably some of my studies in philosophy with metaphysics just kind of irked me a lot. You know, just the notion of, and maybe some epistemological, like, so can I really know anything? And those kind of issues kind of just dug at me to the point where, like, I just felt like the idea of God was just unbelievable anymore. So philosophy is dangerous for faith. It is dangerous, but at the same time, it can be redeeming. Because while this was a period of my life that lasted about two years, but... Through other different studying of philosophy and whatnot, I, I gained a different perspective on my religious beliefs, and now I consider myself an active believing Mormon. So, so you're now an active believing Mormon. Yeah. Having felt you're an atheist um, and and disaffected from the church. So yeah. How'd you turn that around? Well, um, as far as being like, you know, first I was like, there is no God. You know, it's just it's all. Whatever, not a, I won't say a lie, but it's just people misunderstanding things, just whatever. But then I decided that that hard atheist stance was just as, at least at that time, I thought it was just as foolish as my you know previous strong theist stance. And so I decided as well, I'm just more of an agnostic. And I really, one thing that I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed being a part of the church. I mean, it was a culture that I grew up in, and it's something I didn't want to leave. And so I found myself just going to church on Sundays and just 
just going, you know, and, you know, I didn't pray, I didn't pay tithing, I didn't do any of those things, you know, I still lived the standards at that time, I, you know, still never broken a word of wisdom, was being chased, all that stuff, and, and I was just, you know, I was going every Sunday, and, and eventually I met with my bishop, and I just let him know, like, look, this is me, you know, I don't believe these things, but this is what I like, I, you know, I, I love the Book of Mormon, you know, even when I thought, you know, it was just written by Joseph Smith, I thought it was just this phenomenal text that I just really enjoyed, and I, I just, admire Joseph Smith like crazy and, and the work that he was trying to do. And so by doing that, just participating more, just I eventually, and some with some good friends and whatnot, I started having this desire to actually not just participate, but have that believing feeling again. And and as I started getting that desire, just, you know, just led to me wanting to pray again and whatnot. And to me, that just led to some experiences and whatnot that maybe just feel like, wow, there is a God out there who does answer my prayers, you know. I still still have doubts at times. I still have plenty of frustrations with the church here and there, but, you know, I, I consider myself a believing, active Mormon now. Though sometimes other people might question that, but at least that's the way I feel. Do you have any role models or people that have been influential or, uh, you know, books in helping you go from disbelieving, disaffected? You know, are there any... Anything that's been helpful on that journey? I'd say the, the philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein was really influential. Just at least dealing with those metaphysical issues I had problems with. Um, some instructors I've had at UVSC, Dennis Potter, Brian Birch, have both been, they're both really good friends of mine, and people I've been able to talk to a lot about these issues. Um, other books, um, D.C. Phillips, who was a professor um, that I what was hoping to study before he died with last year. Some of his writings helped me out a lot. And just just talking with people. Once I once I finally became really open with things, you know, when I was when I was bearing stuff, nothing ever got dealt with. But when I started talking with people and just being honest with the way I felt, I think that if anything helped the most. Have you um, have you been exposed to Sunstone or Dialogue at all? Oh yeah. I've Probably started reading Sunstone a year or so after my mission, so that was six years ago. And then I've been going to the symposiums the last four years. Was Sunstone part of what contributed to your um, your uh, challenges and, and disbelief in, originally? No, I would say, if anything, Sunstone gave me a form where I felt like, okay, here are other people that share these same frustrations, and here are people that are still active still believing, you know, or people are disaffected or whatever, but it gave me a place where I realized, hey, I'm not alone with these with these feelings. And so I wouldn't say it led to the disaffection at all. I mean, if anything, I think if anything it led to my disaffection, it was more of just, just more of that metaphysical, philosophical, just, just waking up one morning and just like, what's going on? Have... Um... Has Sunstone or Dialogue been in any way helpful? Yeah. They've been helpful in the way that, like I said, one, it gave me a place where I felt like, okay, I'm not alone with these questions. I'm not alone with these frustrations. And you know, and you can see that there's people who dealt with it a certain way and people who weren't able to deal with it. And you just, you know, to me, it, it placed all my, it, it gave, it made me feel like, hey, I'm, it's okay for me to have these feelings. I'm, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not something that has to be shameful and, Help me realize that wow, there's a lot of people out here, and I'm sure, you know, family and friends I might have that might feel the same way. But just in this culture, there's 
it's, if you have doubts, it's a sign of weakness. And so it, it, gave me, it made me feel like, hey, I can have these doubts, and it's not a weakness. It, in some ways, it could be a strength. Do you have um, any sympathies for any groups or friends or types of people within the church that you see as being ostracized or alienated or disaffected or in any way not comfortable? Um, you know, are there, are there any groups or types of people that you your heart goes out to and that you see struggling um, with their relationship towards the church? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're not the white male, you know, rich, conservative, Republican, Mormon, I think you're ostracized in some way. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I have friends all the time, and unfortunately I've had a lot of friends leave the church because they just couldn't stand being ostracized. And that's heartbreaking, and, and it, almost on a weekly basis, I swear, I have, you know, weekly, a monthly basis, I have a friend who comes to me and says they just can't handle going to church anymore. And my heart really goes out to them, whether it's homosexuals, women who just feel like they're too much, they're not, you know, that they're just less than men in the church, which, you know, you could say they are. Whether it's blacks who still feel like, or Hispanics, or whatever, any kind of minority feels like, they're just not, people see them differently. Whether it's people from another country that have language issues that don't get callings because people feel like they're stupid because they don't speak English well. I mean, all those kind of things I have sympathy for because, you know, I felt that. And even people have different political views. I mean, that's one of my frustrations. I, I feel like I go to... Elders Quorum and everyone's touting how great, you know, the President Bush is or, you know, holding a strong Republican line. You feel like if you disagree with them, then you're like worshiping Satan or something like that. So today, what is your church experience like, good and bad? Um, it's here in Orem, you know, as I've, as I've expressed to friends, I feel lonely a lot of times at church. I feel like, you know, if you don't, if you don't have, you know, if you're a guy, if you don't come in a white shirt and tie, you know, in a suit, you don't have a full hawk going with highlights in it, that something's wrong with you. You're not, you're not one of everyone else. And so a lot of times I feel like I'm going to church alone and feeling alone at church is because I'm not like everyone else. And so, but at the same time, I just come to accept that and, and realize, hey, you know, if I stop going, if I stop really striving and having this desire, then it's all going to go downhill. So, you know, I have, I have a wonderful bishop who really supports me. They always reach out to me. And and so, I mean, there's things I enjoy. There's things I get frustrated. I'm kind of well-known in my ward as being the guy to raise his hand and object to whatever the Sunday school teacher is saying or at least offer some different view or something to try to take the monotony out of church. But you still feel welcome. You, you don't feel like uh, that's made you feel uncomfortable or like a pariah. You felt pretty decently tolerated. I feel tolerated. You know, I think sometimes people see me as, oh, that's Lloyd who's going to, you know, who might look a little different or he wears sandals at church every Sunday. But And so they, I think they've, you know, now found me endearing and maybe it's a little something exciting to find at church or something. Was there anything you had to do to make them feel less threatened? Um, well, a year ago... About a year ago, I got up in church, actually about a year ago this very time, I got up during um, testimony meeting and just got up, and I just came out. And at that time was when I was set a lot of doubts and disbelief, and I just came out and said, look, you know, I'm up here. I don't know if there's a God. You know, I don't know if these people are prophets. I don't know these things, but 
this is what I love about the gospel, this is what I love about the teachings, this is why I'm here. And I think once I was honest with everyone in the ward, they came to realize, hey, you know, he might he might feel differently, but he's got he's got something to offer and he's got he's got this desire and you know, maybe they saw me as a project, who knows, but they seem to accept me more. So being open and honest yeah. uh, worked worked out pretty well for you yes. in that regard. Um, do you have any um, do you have any hopes for change? It, I, the church is guided by revelation. Um, it's not us to advise the brethren or study the ark. But in your heart, uh, do you ever have hopes for some type of improvement or change? Oh yeah, I have. I have. I have to have hope for change. Take or us. Else. You're Martin Luther King. Take us to the mountain of um, the type of church you envision. The church I envision is a church that. I think one is more socially involved. I mean, the church always says, oh, we're not involved with politics unless it's moral issues. But then for them, moral issues pretty much come down to, to gays and lesbians getting married. You know, I'd like to see a church that is willing to stand up, maybe like President Kimball, when President Kimball, you know, said, you know, was against MX Missile, but a church that comes out and says, look, we're against war. We're, you know, we are all for, you know, helping those, helping out poverty and all that stuff. Because, you know, maybe... In some ways, the church more that I maybe ideally see in Joseph Smith and Brigham Young that that really condemned the rich, you know, and really wanted to make social change. I see a church that, and I'm not sure which direction, but where women become more involved with that, with that, within the hierarchy, within the priesthood, where that means just you know women have an equal share of the priesthood, or where the priesthood becomes more of a something that's held by a husband and wife or between spouses or something like that. Um, I see a church that comes out and, and just flat out says we're wrong, you know, about blacks not receiving the priesthood. Instead of, instead of just saying, oh, these things, you know, these, these reasons aren't necessarily true, and coming out and saying, look, you know, Brigham Young was a racist, you know, he was a product of his time, and, and sometimes those things influenced Bad things happen, and you know, blacks should have gotten rid of priesthood. It was a mistake, but we've corrected it. You know, a church that's willing to say that its leaders are humans that are capable of making mistakes, because that's one of my biggest frustrations is when the church and the culture, you know, the leadership and the culture and members all combine, keep this thing going where the the leaders are always perfect; they never make mistakes. And I think that's just really dangerous. And so I, I see a future when. Church leaders are more willing and open, you know, as other church leaders in the past have been, to say, look, we're humans, we can make mistakes, and that's that's what that's what Revelation is about, is correcting the mistakes of our past. What are your favorite things about the church, and what are the pillars of your testimony? Favorite things for me in the church, I love the Book of Mormon. I mean, whether or not there was a man named Lehi who lived in Jerusalem, who threw his family on a boat in Canada Americas, I don't know. But the text itself, to me, is a wonderful, beautiful text. The teachings in there, I, I really, I mean, I still read the Book of Mormon almost every day, whether it's just a few bits and pieces here, but I just, to me, there's, there's something just powerful about that text. Joseph Smith is a huge, I'd say, part of the church for me. Um, I've read, you know, 10 or so biographies of him, and, and just trying to understand him more, and just seeing him as someone who, was trying to do what God wanted to do, and yeah, he had his he 
had his struggles, he made his mistakes, but, you know, to me, learning that Joseph Smith made mistakes and was struggling with things helps me understand my own stuff because, frankly, I have a hard time understanding what God wants for me, and I have a hard time doing what's right, and so I don't expect it from anyone else. And so seeing, I guess one of the pillars is seeing church leaders of people who are human, who make mistakes, is a huge benefit for me because it helps me realize that, hey, I can struggle and make mistakes too and still and still be pushing along. Any other pillars of your faith? Um, I would say those are the biggest things. And just to me, what I feel is personal inspiration and revelation guide me a lot. When I started really believing, hey, I can, I can, I can receive these things. To me, if anything, that's probably the biggest pillar because that's, that's what influences everything else. Anything else you want to say? Not about pillars, I guess. Oh, no, just uh, about anything? Yeah. Um, anything you th- came thinking you might want to share, a story or uh, an anecdote or a homily or anything? I'd say... No pressure. Oh. You can say no. <laughs> I'll say, you know, I, I like... I mean, I, I guess one of my biggest frustrations lately and I'm, is just the issue of how the church is presenting itself. I, there's a, to me, there's a frustration that I feel like the church runs itself largely by PR now. Um, I think President Hinckley has done some wonderful things for the church. And I, you know, I, I, to me, I personally think that like, the whole mini temples was, you know, it was revelation because you know, it brings the temple to those people who can't make it in a large, you know, at least for a lot of people who can't make it to the temple, it brings it out to them. But I have a frustration where I feel like where President Hinckley has largely been the PR, the PR guy for the church for the last six years, and that's how we started. And I, there's a frustration feeling like our church is so much led by PR now by trying to please non-Mormons, even please Mormons, to make us. It's all about oh, we're Christians too, and oh, you know, we're we're so wonderful, and we're we're, we're true Americans, and all this kind of thing, trying to to sell the church as if it's some kind of business or club that everyone can join, you know, trying to make it more appealing instead of just being more bold and brash, you know, like, like I said, when the war in Iraq started, President Hinckley came out, whereas Elder Nelson came out and gave a fairly strong anti-war message, President Hinckley came out and was like, uh, you know, we don't know these things, yeah, war can be bad, but sometimes war can be good, and, you know, just and instead of making a big stance that might offend people, but I think the church needs to learn that, hey, we can offend some people because we're, if we're doing what's right, and, that, and, and if people who love war, people who love their wealth are offended, then, then so be it, because this is the gospel of Christ. And So I'd say that's something that's been on my mind a lot.